Ladies and gentlemen, this stage is set. The mics are on. It's not another fight cast time. With your hosts, fighting out of the blue corner. This man is a former fighter. The voice of Brave Combat Federation and Clan Wars MMA. The great and powerful Phil Campbell. Fighting out of the red corner. This man is a former fighter. And now one of the best coaches in mixed martial arts. The one and only Andy, the icon, Burrow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome along to Not Another Fightcast with myself, Phil Campbell, my illustrious co-host, Mr. Andy Burrows. Andy, how's it going, buddy? Not too bad, Phil. Glad to be back. Um, if you didn't miss our last show, folks, um, we did an end-of-year show with uh, Jack Aaron Stoops and Mr. Mel Brown from the Super Rad MMA show, so we did a bit of a co-promotion last week. If you have had, if you haven't had a chance, go back and give it a listen. A um, couple of bits in it virtually made me piss myself laughing when I listened to it again. I know you shouldn't laugh at your own jokes, but then again, I'm biased as fuck. But to get started today, um, we're really, really lucky to have a guest. Phil, I'm going to let you introduce this gentleman. We have uh, we're taking a slight deviation because when we started the podcast, we said that you know we wanted it to cover the whole sort of combat sports entertainment genre. So today, we're incredibly lucky to be joined by one of the premier professional wrestlers. Uh, on the island in the UK, Mr. Colin Jackson, otherwise known as Damien Corvin. How are you, buddy? Oh, too bad, man. How's things? All good, all good, man. All good. Um, as I said, when we started this podcast, it was more about the athletic combat sports entertainment area, and that's something that I know yourself, Andy, that you have you know, a real passion for that's, uh, yeah. that's continued. And there, there seems to have been a, um, a real resurgence in professional wrestling on the island uh, in, in the UK. What, what would you say that that's attributable to? Um, people got pissed, <laughs> is, the, is the long and short of it. At what? Um, at just mainstream wrestling. It was just incredibly boring and, and horribly kid-friendly. Mm-hmm. And everything was sort of geared towards back in that old gobbledygooker, you know, everyone had a random gimmick. Like there was a bin man and there was a hockey player and it was, it was fun at the time, but... You know the reason that the attitude era was so good is because everyone who grew up with the Gobbledygooker and all of those over the top characters uh-huh. had matured, and they wanted the more teenage. You know they wanted new metal and DX and the NWO, mm-hmm. and those guys matured, and they wanted something different, and instead it just reverted back to trying to get the kids back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of fans were disenchanted and mm-hmm. just a little bit annoyed. So, folks, just for anybody who's listening and doesn't really follow... You don't have to follow professional wrestling to really understand a lot of what um, Colin or Damien is talking about here. Um, what he mentioned was the Attitude Era, and the Attitude Era basically covered a, a specific period in the 90s from WWE... In fact, WWF Wrestling, as it was, and it soon became WWE Wrestling after a dispute with the World Wildlife Fund. Um, that was an era where, basically, there was a lot of anti-establishment feeling within the world of professional wrestling, and, and Steve Austin really was the most catalytic person within that. Yeah. Um, that followed on from the Extreme Championship, which was uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling, which is a former ECW, and that travelled through uh, wrestling in general right up to today, where we have still have extreme hardcore matches and stuff like that. But... Um, that's where the attitude era comes from, and that's what we we're talking about more or less regarding like shit gimmicks. The gobbledygooker was an absolutely fucking appalling idea, um, with a like basically an egg appearing on WWF programming for a l- number of weeks until this stupid fucking bird thing came out of it, and everybody was just mo- morbidly disappointed. Um, so that's what that is. Um, 
Where did you get started in professional wrestling? I got started in Belfast, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living in Spain at the time, and I was just doing what people do in Spain, just get drunk. And, and <laughs> that, that was pretty much my life. And um, it, it sort of was like a fight with my parents. Um, and they were like, you know, I, I'd always said, this is what I want to do. And they were like, you'd never do that. And as always, no one believes you can do anything mm-hmm. other than, you know, work Monday to Friday and drink Friday to Sunday and go back to work on a Monday. And I came across um, Ulster Championship Wrestling in Belfast, booked a flight like literally two days later and flew home. Um, I started training that Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it was terrible. <laughs> did, did you grow up as a fan? Like, were, yeah. you, were you deeply entrenched in kind of the, the culture? Because I think ev- everybody has sort of a dalliance with professional wrestling growing up. So what was the kind of era that you remember? What was the, the, the hook for you? What are your first sort of memories of professional wrestling? My first memory is Warrior and Hogan. So that was the first match I ever watched. It was the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. WrestleMania? WrestleMania, yeah. Intercontinental title, VWB title. That was my first match, and ever since I was hooked. So I watched it from like that to the Attitude Era, all the way through to the Ruthless Aggression Era. And that was the likes of, you know, your Rhinos, your William Regals, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Edge. They were the top guys then. Mm-hmm. And it was more athletically based. Um, although we had storylines and that kind of stuff, it was still more of a, of a combat sport. It was more physical mm-hmm. at that point and then like we said it just started reverting back um, a little bit um, so people were looking for alternatives and that kind of thing whereas OTT that's what we can and what, what drew you to it like as a child what are your first kind of like you've said about the the Hogan Warrior match which was a seminal moment in professional wrestling but what were your first kind of thoughts and feelings seeing this what was you know the hook that really got you into it that made you think yeah fuck this is for me Ultimate Warrior's entrance like <laughs> there's like that, that riff hits and then he just charges like full pelt towards the ring and there's like these neon colours head to toe and this mad hair and he's jacked to the gills like what the fuck is this and what are you doing um, I know, and then Hogan comes out and he's looking class and then his bandana comes off and he's got no fucking hair and it didn't matter because like, you wanted the warrior to win then and it was, it was that sort of thing whereas like I was very new to it mm-hmm. but I still got that they were both good guys but at that point you know you wanted this good guy to win over this good guy and just did this raw like charge of emotion and when warrior kicked out of the leg drop from Hogan that was that was me I no was, one kicks out of the no leg one drop kicks out of the leg drop that was that must have been about the only time I think Hulk Hogan I think it was the first time anybody had kicked out of the Hogan leg drop yeah. in the WWF era that was one of the sort of very well protected finishers, pretty similar to what the old pal driver was. Yeah. Um, and I think that whenever that happened, that was a seminal moment for a lot of people. The realizing that Hogan, first of all, was no longer invincible at the time, yeah. and that there was a new guy in town, which was a warrior, and he he kind of represented a new era again. It was like the passing of the torch, although it didn't last for very long because yeah. he was fucking mental. Yeah. Um, proceeding got got himself sacked after that, I think. Yeah, not too long after that. Yeah. He was holding the company a ransom for a massive amount of money to perform, and then they gave him the money and immediately sacked him. Even his promos, I went back and watched a few promos. And unless you're high as fuck, he's that's not making sense at all. Yeah. No, you'll never understand a fucking word he says. Like, no, and like, was it, I would love to get into the psychology of it. Well, like, was it all just off the top of his head, or do you think that there was? For him, I think that that was all off the top of his head. Yeah, that was before creative writing came in. So yeah, like, you got pointers, but that was that was all him. The I best know. thing is if you go on YouTube and just search like Ultimate Warrior Training, mm-hmm. he actually has like a YouTube series of like bodybuilding training videos. And it's just that. It's his promos, but he's lifting weights. 
there's one about overtraining it's the best thing I've ever lost in my life right, a, lot, a lot of promos at the time were very sort of I'm gonna grab you I'm gonna squeeze you all this and then like Warrior came in and there was foreboding music there was thunder and lightning going yeah. on there was words that made no fucking sense you would need, made a, up. You would need a thesaurus yeah no, I think he made up he made up, he made up weird words and he tried to fit them into gimmicks and catchphrases and stuff because he was totally out of his fucking mind and I, I was engaging because it was so because different because it was so different to what you'd been watching at that point no I think I think everybody has a similar professional wrestling moment everybody has their first thoughts of when they were well they became aware of professional wrestling I think mine was as a very young child I think my mum and dad probably just needed to get some hyperactivity and just sat this annoyingly hyperactive child down in front of the world of sport on world of sport ITV and I still remember it was the first thing we watched and it was actually Fit Finley and I can't remember who it was against but I remember watching that and thinking, holy shit, this is absolutely amazing. Absolutely unbelievable. And that was me sort of hooked as a child right now, obviously still today. But we like to believe it or not, most people still do follow professional wrestling in, a, in some form. Why, why is it societally, like we're, we're all, you know, adults now. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily follow professional wrestling like I did when I was younger, but I'm still fascinated yeah. by just the machinations of it. Even just the terminology, like mm-hmm. kayfabe, putting somebody over. And mm-hmm. I'll watch... Wrestling documentaries yeah. till, till the cows come home, like the the, the Dave Finley documentary you sent me. Fantastic. The Bret Hart documentary, Wrestling with Shadows. Oh, absolutely fantastic. But then then there were rumors that that documentary, in and of itself, was a complete work. Was a work. Yes. So why do you think that, especially as you get older, it's still like it's almost seen as like a dirty little secret for some people? Like like everybody watches it, but nobody says they do. I think it's the whole fake thing. So when like whenever you're growing up, it doesn't when you're a kid. And you say to any adult when you're a child, I love wrestling. And they go, you know what's fake? And that's the first thing that they say. Yeah. And it's, it's like, when you're a kid... How much does that piss as, 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 as a professional athlete, how much does that piss you off? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Was there a stage where it did? It, there was a stage when, it, like, when I first started that it maybe would have annoyed me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but nowadays, it doesn't. I'm very happy to show you how unfake it is at any point in time. And there's a couple of people that have, <laughs> that have you know, have, have made cry a little bit. Because <laughs> we've, 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 we've talked about it before, we've talked about it privately, the, the amount of injuries you've had. You know, yeah. we're, we're, both, we're both in, you know, a, a physical sport. I have around 10 years of martial arts experience behind me. You've been involved in pro wrestling for a, a similar... 12 years. 12 yeah. years. And we were comparing injuries. <laughs> you, you've, you've had exponentially more injuries than mm-hmm. I've had. So for somebody to make the claim... Yeah. That, uh, that it's fake or something yeah. like that when they don't appreciate the actual athleticism and physicality uh, physicality involved I think that is what is missing from most people's understanding of it My how I would describe that to somebody is that fuck taking a backdrop yeah <laughs> taking an ass shit yeah like professional wrestling yes okay it may have a predetermined outcome mm-hmm. but it's like how I describe it is like watching the Fast and Furious in fact don't watch a Fast and Furious fucking shit but if you do watch it, there's car crashes in it. You know the cars have crashed, but the people aren't dead. Okay? Professional wrestling, you still see the people performing the technique, but you know the guys are not as badly injured as they really could be. The technique is real, but the injury may or may not be what it appears. That is the best way I can describe what you're viewing. Yeah, pretty much we're, we're stuntmen that can act. Yeah. It's like, it's like a live theatre. And you don't have a double take. No, no double takes, no no anything. I mean, if anyone's ever tried to watch EastEnders live, 
you know, the, I, I have been put through that. It's, it's brutal. Well, they fucked up EastEnders yeah, Live, don't yeah. they? Yeah, if you try and watch EastEnders Live, and it's, you know, they they have like weeks to rehearse it and they, they fuck it up. Mm. Or if you go to, like, a West End musical or if you go to any form of theatre, mm. they're rehearsing for six months to a year and then they're doing the same show every night of the week, sometimes two, three times a day, and that's how they perfect it. Mm-hmm. When we go in the wrestle, it's like, okay, so Corbin, you're fighting Liam today, um, Liam wins. And that's it. That's, 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 that's the, the, that's the direction that we're given. Or like, from time to time, it might be, okay, you two guys, um, don't brawl on the outside, the main event, have a street fight. Um, don't use a low blow, because they have a low blow. Um, his finish is similar to your finish, maybe change it. There's very little like direction that we're given and the better that you get at it and the more experience you get, the less direction that you're given. Um, so, so you're essentially calling matches on the fly then? Pretty much. So there's times where I've showed up maybe 10 minutes before a show starts and it's literally as I'm putting my gear on, I'm going, you know, okay, look, international spot, take over, I'll cut you, I'll work you, do your hope spot, go for the finish what is a hope spot to, to explain for people who don't yeah, so for people who because we're taking for granted that people, people understand, understand this terminology yeah. so this terminology um, I'm sorry if it goes over some people's heads um, so a hope spot would be um, you know maybe if you ever watch a martial arts film it's, it's in a martial arts film you know mm-hmm. what I mean it's, it's the same sort of thing a hope spot is where the bad guy is kicking the shit out of the good guy the bad guy will get either too cocky or too aggressive um, or um, the good guy will switch him hit him a few times maybe drop him a couple of times go for his big finish the bad guy will counter drop him and get back on top you know it's it's that easy so it's li- it's literally just a little bit of uh, like a rise and fall mm-hmm. whereas if it was a continuous just the bad guy beats the shit out of the good guy for 10 minutes then takes one move and it was over it'd be well, that's it's, yeah. it's a decade of theatre isn't it yeah. Like, yeah. Like a movie. and then it comes down to when people say it's fake I'll be like aye but you know you're still watching Hollyoaks four nights a week you go you go to the movies for entertainment you go to the theatre for, exactly. for, for entertainment it's, you know it's theatre the working classes was I think what it was called years and years yeah, ago but yeah but it's actually really it's an interesting terminology. It's not very nice, but it's an interesting terminology, and you can see where it comes from because obviously, back in the eighties, shops used to close early in certain portions across Great Britain because people were going home to watch World of Sport. Yeah, it's a well-known fact that towns would literally close their doors at half three because the wrestling started at four, and that was such big business, such amazing big business in Great Britain. But the World of Sport, because it had a TV spot, but before that, it was still immensely important and popular to how people. Constructed their week, constructed their lives, and constructed their days. Yeah. We we now have like a core group of like, I'd got to say maybe two hundred fans in Dublin, and their entire month revolves around our show. What is the promotion at the minute that you're working for? Over the top, over wrestling. the top. Yeah. So pretty much what had happened was that obviously what I said before with wrestling over here used to be a very watered down, terrible version of wrestling in England which was a watered down terrible version of wrestling in America right. and it, was, it wasn't it was a lot of people's fault it was just due to the fact that that's what people were used to mm-hmm. and that was really how things worked like I went to a show and Kane was on it Kane it wasn't Kane it was a guy who was 5 foot 6 you know what I mean <laughs> so this 5 foot 6 guy comes out dressed as Kane 
you know what I mean? And then, like, literally two matches later, the same guy, and you know it's the same guy, comes out as The Rock. And it was, it was really just that bad. Mm. And what had happened was, is um, our, my friend Joe, this guy that owns it, he was working for WWE. Um, in what capacity? He was a wrestler for WWE. Oh, so okay. He, cool. he had signed to WWE. He was in NXT. Mm-hmm. Lived in Florida. Um, he was there for a while, but he got um, really badly injured and decided that it just he couldn't perform anymore. And he came back, and he was just sat at a local indie show thinking that there's nothing that anyone from Ireland can relate to. There's like there's nothing here that anybody can relate to. From this country, so that was really the spark of originality. Yeah, pretty really much. Yeah, I mean, you guys come around like, and I was the worst for it. I come out with like a Batman voice, and like I talked like I was an American, and you know, in, and I'd done all the American guy spots, and it was it was good learning, but it sucked. You know, it, it really did suck. Um, was, that, was that because that's what you thought audiences wanted to see, or was that just because that was the blueprint that you had seen that you thought needed to be followed? It was pretty much just what we thought you would want to see uh-huh. you know and it was you know at that point like everyone just watched WWE yeah. that was what everyone had been watching and like even WWE was getting away from that side of things so we were like behind them at that point of what we were doing and it was when Joe decided then no right, what we're going to do is we're going to have a promotion that's just full of Irish things so we had the wards who were travellers um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They were trying, and that, that was the thing. And like literally, it was Joe um, in a very limited capacity. He wasn't doing much wrestling, um, but he was the head of the wards, and it was pretty much Brad Pitt from Snatch. That was his entire gimmick. Talk like him, you know what I mean? Dress like him, wrestle like him. There's loads Brilliant of content. Yeah. You, know, you can find stuff on YouTube with the wards as well. Um, and they've been riding on horses and stuff like that there. It's some really good shit. Um, and then they had the lads from the flats. Who are very simply just the little druggy alcohol. Just the hoods, yeah. Like the Devis Hoods, exactly. But obviously they were from somewhere down in Dublin. Mm-hmm. You have Martina, who's a session moth, and pretty much she is the girl who lives off benefits, goes out drinking, has 30 kids by 30 different lads. You know what I mean? But, but, she, but, but she can scrap. And then you had the kings of the north. Mm-hmm who were just the horrible Protestants who had come down to Dublin to fight Those the wards, yeah. no good again. to fight the wards and to fight the lads from the flats and that was pretty much like we were thrown together because the wards needed yeah, so they, they just needed bad guys yeah. and Joe's like well so put the three Belfast lads in and, the, and that was it so how much creative freedom were you given then in a situation like that to, to, to build upon a character to first of all settle on, yeah. on what you were going to be. Did you always know that you wanted to be uh, a heel? A heel be oh, a yeah. bad guy? Did you always know that that was the avenue that you wanted to explore? Yeah, I, I am a bad guy. If you've seen me wrestle and you've seen Good Guy Corbin, it's it's good. Like, don't be wrong, I'm a very good... Baby face. Baby face. I'm a very good, good guy. But I am a exceptional bad guy because I am a horrible person. Why are you going to be a bad guy? Oh, I'm just a horrible person in general. I'm just a horrible person in general. Um, so at that point, like the like Joe had said, like we're going to put you three guys together and our first name was the Ulster Coalition and we were like, you can't call us that, mate. He's like, well, like, mate, that just sounds horribly paramilitary. Yeah. It, sounds, <laughs> it sounds very DVP and um, no. It's just not happening. And he was like, well, what do you want to be called then? Like, well, we're going to be the kings of the north. And I was like, 
Right Fang of the Kings of the North. And he, just, he thought it was a terrible name. He hated it. I think it's pretty topical too because of yeah. Game of Thrones and That's, stuff like yeah. that. It's fitting. Yeah. Yeah. It has tropes of all, yeah. Those, yeah. all those things. And things that were immensely popular, which is what wrestling does. And it follows yeah. on from popularity in the world. We all know. It's, infor- it's informed by popular culture and society, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Obviously, WWF and WWE have made fucking millions and millions out of world events. Mm-hmm. They built up. Uh, what you call him recently the Bulgarian dude Rusev Rusev as a Russian and tormented him for I don't know two years maybe fucking Sergeant Trump, Slaughter Trump was part of the uh, WWE program yes, for yeah. a very long time yeah. he flirted a lot with the mm-hmm. Shield was yeah, yeah, yeah that's right um, but so you, you then obviously do you find it easier to play a bad guy than, yeah. than, a, than a baby face because obviously a heel can, can make a mistake and nobody's going to give a shit yeah but if a baby face makes a mistake, it kind of takes away their shine. What do you mean make a mistake? I mean, I mean, do you like, mean like in, in anything in ring, or do you mean like on the mic or both? If a, because you 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 people really want to hate the bad guy. So if you were to slip, say walking into the ring, yeah, exactly, oh, no you're, still, you're still getting an element of hate. Yeah. Or if you were to make a mistake on the mic, people are still going to yell at you. It gives and it might give the in the case of the heel then something to go back to the fans with. Um, but if a baby face did that, it kind of ruins their shyness because they're supposed to be perfect and, and all the nice things in the world. But if they make a balls in the way there, I always thought it would be easier to be a heel. Yeah, I mean, it is much easier to be a bad guy. Yeah. Um, I, it's probably to be more fun too. It's more it fun. To be. It's so much more fun, but it, it's just easier. And I, I don't like being the good guy. And even we're, we're in Belfast, so we're the hometown boys in Belfast. And the first time we'd done that, and they cheered us, and I was like, "Didn't oh, well <laughs> you know, it, it, it was nice, mm-hmm. like once, but now it's like so. Now I'm the good guy. When I'm in Belfast, I'm the good guy in Liverpool. Believe it or not, Liverpool? I don't know why. How does I, that work? I thought it'd be the exact opposite. No, it's weird. I'm good looking and <laughs> that helps. <laughs> I'm modest. I'm modest. Yeah. <laughs> See, they don't change. They still am and they still cheer me. So, so I, uh, I was going to say, are the, when you're being the when, when you're being that Corvin character, is it elements of yourself that you've just turned up? Like yes. Steve, Steve Austin would say that like he's essentially himself, but he's turned himself up to 11. Yeah. yeah. It took me forever to get there. So when I first started, I was doing a vampire gimmick, believe it or not, because... Like, like any yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. loving you. True Blood was just, like, skyrocketing. So I was like... Because I was going to say, the name is very... Yeah. Like, the, like Corvin. I thought that you were going for a crow, you know. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. You're a huge, huge fan. Huge fan of the crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's where I got it from. But, um, yeah, I was a vampire. Because I was doing the, the big kid shows, and that's what we're doing. These big theaters for the children, mm-hmm. and True Blood was hugely popular. So like the mums and stuff were coming for the mummies. Yeah. Oh. I even had a ball of True Blood. It was that bad. Um, <laughs> it really was. I generally just looked like a Kevin Thorne and Gangrel ripoff. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. I mean, I, wrong, I was decent at it, but it wasn't me. It was just me playing this this character instead of amplifying yeah. aspects of yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the Kings of the North, then. Like over time, it just got more and more comfortable to where it is just me, mm. and it, it's it's just me. There's like there's not even amplified up by like ten. It is literally it is the the worst parts of me. That is what you see when I wrestle. But those are the kind of characters that or the the type of wrestlers that you were drawn to as a kid. Like who were the kind of guys that you watched and you thought, "Fuck yeah, that's my guy." Like for me, it was always um, like Finley. I love Finley awesome. and Regal. You know, mm-hmm. because they were from here. 
and that really like that pushed me quite a bit because they were from here and look where they were mm. and that was something to aim towards mm. and I also loved them because they were just horrible <laughs> they yeah. were horrible people the, if you go back and watch I think it's a WW no sorry WCW and it's Finlay and Regal Street Fight have you seen yeah, this? Very this good. was Finlay's debut he was the Belfast Brawler Belfast Brawler he came out uh, came out of the woodwork and just yeah the they, it is absolutely brilliant and it's a complete another like when you talk about people getting collar in a match which is a bleed it's Finlay punches William Regal square in the middle of the face and you clearly see his nose is just pissing with blood broken it is absolutely brilliant and it's so brutal and I don't think that was being done for the American audience that was them sort of this is us here's how we do this and if you ever see any of their matches you can just see it is really really in inverted commas stiff where they work quite um, hard, hard amongst, yeah, like a hard in yeah. Japanese, what's called strong style. But they actually do land strikes on one another, and it is absolutely brilliant. See, that is exactly how we work now. Yeah, um, it's it, it's safe, uh, but we would be very, it, very snug. You would leave your work. Yeah. We would, we would leave. Yeah, we would leave it all in there um, mm-hmm. and make it look. Uh, you know, it, it's supposed to be a fight. Uh, yeah, and I, like don't worry, I love the athletic stuff that people can do, and I wish I could do a triple back fault and whatever else. And these 450 splashes and there's boys doing 630 splashes and all this yeah. other amazing stuff and I will stand back and clap and go awesome and then I'll walk out and punch in the mouth because that's well, that's, like, that's more relatable I think that's more relatable the most popular guys if you look, look at through history like Steve Austin technically wasn't a guy that was doing hurricane runners, wasn't no. a guy that was doing moonsaults or anything. No, in his own words, he said he had four moves. Yeah. John John Cena again, a big lump of a lad who mm-hmm. like didn't have the most dynamic of skill sets. No. So this Brock Lesnar, another guy. Then, a little, when, he, when he tried the was it the shooting yeah. star shooting star press, yeah, knocked himself, 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 yeah. himself clean out. Yeah, whose idea? Who said that was, that his, was his idea? idea. Three hundred pounds. He's hit it like seven times. Yeah, he did. He, he, <laughs> he should do it in a he did it. Yeah, developmental. Then I think he. Slipped just as he just as he went for it, and essentially landed on his, yeah. his head. It's an absolute. That's actually one to go back and look for if you have YouTube or anything else. Go and watch that, and it is brutal. The bang of his head off the mat is absolutely horrendous. I wanted I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your first experiences of of training because I think that's relatable for everybody, regard, yeah. regardless of the sport yeah. that you compete in. Your first, uh, whether you whether you play soccer, whether you play GAA, whether it's MMA, whether it's professional wrestling, you all have that degree of trepidation trying something mm-hmm. new. So, what was it like for you? What was the the environment that kind of fostered the start of your professional wrestling career? Genuinely, it was dog shit. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was literally the probably the worst thing. Why? It, it was it was in a scout center in Beaver. It was believe it or not, an old WCW wrestling ring. So an old like a wrestling ring from WCW, they used it on their UK tours, and it was bought in 1991 or something like that, and they were still using it in the early 2000s. And believe it or not, there's someone still uses it now, and it, it, that's how old that ring is. And like I walked in expecting to see like wrestlers, and when I got in there, man, fair enough, I was like nine stone soaking wet myself. But when I walked in, I just seen a bunch of kids and like a couple of like bigger lads the bigger lads were hanging out their arse had no interest in being there whatsoever they were just there to get money from us to learn how to wrestle and like I don't think I learned anything for a solid month do you know what I mean it was like yeah we'll do push ups like, well I can't do a push up like, I'm way nice to so them you know so just about blitzing you were cardio yeah or? pretty much yeah I was like oh I'll run till you throw up you know, and then every now and again, one of the older wrestlers would come in and grab one of the younger lads mm. and powerbomb them or something just for shits and giggles. 
and then it, it was terrible. Like it was it was absolutely terrible. Um, there was only a couple of guys there that were actually decent. Mm. Um, we were you were in the risk of an environment like that of being completely disillusioned with yeah. Yeah, or injured so badly that you never want to experience this yeah. again. So how did that change then? So you ended up in I actually know what you're talking about, by the way. Um, so you ended up in the scout hall in Beaver, yeah. and from then you realised, now looking back, you realised that that was complete and utter piss, or at the time you realised this is garbage, there has to be something better out there? Pretty much, this is dog shit, and there was nothing else. So yeah. it was there or nowhere. And that's that, was, that was literally it. It was there mm-hmm. or nowhere. So I just stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to be fair, the... Um, they had run a couple of shows while I was training there. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the shows, it was so much better. Because then you had guys coming up from Dublin. And there was Joe, um, who now runs OTT. And who was a big, what's solid this, what's lad. What's your second name? Um, Cabret. Okay. Yep, and he's a big, solid lad. Like, that, that boy's fucking built. His brother, um, Georgie Mark again. Big, solid lad. There was Alex Breslin. Um, she was trained by Dory Funk Jr. There was a number of other people that had been brought in. And then when you got there, then you saw, okay, that's wrestlers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then that was the kind of aspiration from there, mm-hmm. was to be like, okay, well, there actually are wrestlers in this thing. Um, and then it closed down, and it left us with nothing. Uh, so a couple of other boys took it over, and then that's when my training started getting that bit better. So did you stay there, or did you move somewhere else? Like no, I just stayed there. Yeah. Um, but then a few other guys took it over, mm-hmm. uh, changed the name of it. Um, what did it change? It was Pro Wrestling Ulster. Pro Wrestling Ulster, yeah. yeah, that's what it changed to. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, looking back, mm-hmm. that was dog shit. But it was so much better, <laughs> better than, than what I was used had. to yeah. that like my love for it just kind of went up a little bit more. And then I started getting very good very quick. Mm-hmm which was it probably attributed to hours and hours of just watching it. So it was easy to pick things up. Um, and then from there, I was able to go down to NWA Ireland, mm-hmm. um, down in Bray, and then there was another couple of places down south, and that's when I started doing a bit of travelling for training, and it really kind of took off a bit. Yeah. I think, to be frank, also, I think you would probably find that a lot of people who compete in mixed martial arts, right, the genesis of MMA in Ireland as well, but have a very similar story, you know, finding somewhere to train and then realizing this is not really what this should look like, but you're still watching mixed martial arts com- being competitive on TV or wherever, and then finding other places throughout Ireland. So you, you had to travel pretty similar to what most of those people will have to do. And then you realize, when was your first match? What was it? My first match was in Malone Rugby Club. Mm-hmm. But for um, a pro wrestling monster, remember they had yeah, there? yeah, for Malone Rugby Club, for pro wrestling monster, it was a fatal four way match that is absolutely atrocious. It's actually on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on there. It's Damian Corbin versus Sean Scythe versus Johnny Stash versus Kev Rocks. It is probably the worst thing you will ever watch in your. I think I do three moves in the entire thing. I just shut it off. <laughs> it, is, it is absolutely atrocious fake, fake it till you make it man. Yeah, there, there, no business being in a wrestling ring um, that was my first ever match Yeah, but I got a reaction and that was enough to kind of just keep me going and keep me going um, and then I started travelling down every now and again to, to Bray and training with like very good wrestlers so I yeah. was training with Paul Tracy who's like a world renowned pro wrestling coach um, Fergal Debit 
from yeah, time to Finn time. Ballard. Yeah, yeah. who's Finn Ballard, WWE. I trained with um, King Devon. The guy started possibly now. He started Bullet Club in started Japan, Club, yeah. which is I think it's overtaken Austin. 316 as far as t-shirt sales go yeah. it's possibly the most valuable t-shirt sales in the history of professional and they're still going I think they're on like version 5 and yeah. they're still going I like think it's a Japanese bullet club they're still the, online yeah. they're quite prominent in the AEW at the moment as well aren't they uh, I, th- I think it's WWE at the minute with the, um, the bullet club with no, the, they, no, no you're right they're gone so they've, they've all changed their names Dallas so it's WWE they're called the OC yeah in um, AEW they're called the Elite Elite and then in New Japan they're still Bullet Club still Bullet Club they're still Bullet Club um, but the, it's the same it's just the core group of guys mm-hmm. um, and the, those boys are it's like the best of the best mm-hmm. um, but Fergal had, he started them just uh, he I had done maybe two or three seminars with him um, learned a lot from him and then that's when he started really taking off in Japan mm-hmm. He was a monster in Japan. Actually, BBC did a documentary on him. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. yeah it's good. a superb yeah. documentary of him and his time in Japan. And then I think it kind of touches on the fact that he was going to WWE at the time yeah. and, and, and moving on to NXT. And they won the NXT title. And then he was the first ever Universal title first holder. Ever. And it's, a, again, a mark of sort of people from Ireland in general as we talk about the combat sport, the depth of what it is. That somebody who is from a guy from Dublin, essentially, going on to take on the first um, your universal title for the biggest wrestling promotion in planet Earth. Although it says universal, but I can't ever imagine it being like defended in Jupiter yeah. or something like that. Well, it's kind of like the the, the the baseball World Series. World Series. It's yeah. only in America. Yeah, it's only the Yanks that are doing it. Yeah. Well, one thing I've always been interested in is how you generate heat. You know, as as a as a heel, so to speak. How do you go about getting that reaction? Because the same thing's not going to work everywhere, so do you need to kind of tap into kind of the, the the cultural nuances of somewhere, kind of know what's going to what's going to set people off, or, or do you it, just it, do it on the fly? It depends on, on what you what kind of show it is and what you're going for. I suppose um, what, what you're going to do for a kids show, yeah, for like a matinee show, is yeah. it what you're going to be doing for like an eight pm yeah. adult, adult show? show? Yeah. So I mean, for the kids shows, I like I do a ravishing Rick Rude, Shawn Michaels rip off gimmick. It's just a it's a piss take. It's pretty much what it is. But um, it works really well, um, so it helps when you're in shape, <laughs> which I have to get it back into after Christmas. But you know, it's it's pretty much it's that easy. It's get on the microphone. You're ugly. You're fat. Your ma doesn't love you. <laughs> you know, the best one is. I fucking burst in the tears. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. You know, your mum doesn't love you, but she loves me. <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, is that your missus? Really, I don't think so. Man. You know, that things like that there sort of work. Uh, so just putting things down. The, you know, in the standard thing, the only good thing to come out of Lauren is the road back to Belfast. Boo. Like that's your like your standard on children's shows. It's very easy. I wear bright pink, so they automatically hate me. I have a George Michael dangly earring, so they automatically hate me. I wear sunglasses inside. The only people that wear sunglasses inside are blind Blinders. people and their kids. <laughs> That's it, you know. <laughs> this is the, you know, this is the. So it's like these are like very easy, very like mm-hmm. cheap pop, cheap pops. Uh-huh. The things that I can do for the kids shows, you know, what I mean, I'll mouth off, and then as I'm getting into the ring, I'll trip on the middle rope and I'll face plant and that sort of thing. I'll refuse to tie up with the guy I'm wrestling, or he'll keep on outsmarting me, and I'll keep on getting out of the ring, and then I won't break the ten card. And it's it's all these small little things. That build up over like five ten minutes, and then all of a sudden they get kicked in the mouth, and the crowd lose their minds because finally the bad guy gets his comeuppance. Yeah, and that's it's that really simple on a kids show. 
for over 18 shows it's not too much different to okay. be honest it's just that I can say and do just that little bit more than I'm not allowed to do um, like what give me an example so in Dublin I was able to come out as a filthy Protestant um, with a marching band um, when you, like I had Union Jacks at Ulster Flags <laughs> that's fucking yeah. hilarious um, yeah and like, it wasn't even a boo they didn't even boo they went silent like we had a boy on the stage with a side drum and they were trying to push him off the stage um, <laughs> we had the guy like one of the boys who was carrying our flags he had literally had tricep surgery that like two days before so we had this massive brace on his arm and they were trying to rip the brace off his arm after just having surgery um, we walked down got in the ring you know our whole thing is the kings in the north so we have like a red glove so you lift the red you raise the red right hand of Ulster that's the whole thing you know and in Dublin that gets an atrocious amount of just horrible hate and then when they got sort of desensitised to that it's like oh here come the horrible Protestants again mm-hmm. then so we you need to mix it up you need yeah, to it up to some degree yeah so then we just started shaving people so we would just beat the crap out of them take out a pair of clippers and just shave their beard or shave their head uh, beat up a girl cut chunks out of her hair threw it into the crowd you know things like that there like they tried to fight me with that one which was great crap you know, and it's it. I think I just have a hearable face, which helps. Looking at you right now, I can yeah, see that. I, I just have, and I have. You do look like a cunt. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's it, I don't, and I it, I do a lot of promos and that sort of thing, which helps me as well, because I can like I can talk. You can yeah. Is that something that came naturally to you? Because like there are, you there are some shows you watch and. Guys do a promo and it's unintentionally cringy as fuck. Even at the upper echelons yeah. of the likes of the WWE, the likes mm-hmm. of NXT, and people just don't have the ability to put a decent promo together. Is that something that came naturally to you, or is that something you worked on? It, I worked on it quite a bit. Um, just how, you know, how do you go about work? Do you, is it is it practice it, tapes? Is yeah, it you, stand, guys? you literally stand in front of a mirror and you just you just cut a promo in front of a mirror, um, or like you're standing in your kitchen and. Little things, you know, like, I, I used to be very easily annoyed, so it was really good that way. But, like, if I went into the fridge and there was no milk, you know, I just cut a promo because there was no milk. I mean, if someone bought cornflakes instead of Frosties, I just cut a promo on the fact that, like, why is there no Frosties? It should be Frosties. You know, it was those little tiny things that makes all the difference. You know, I mean, I can cut a promo on ice cream. It, it, it's it, anything. If you say, right, I need you to talk about this for five minutes. Okay, give me two seconds. All right, grand. Go. Is that the way it would work for a show? You'd be given uh, like a rough, like very much like a match. You'd be given a rough skeleton of a promo that you need to cut, or, yeah. do you, or is, is there a preconceived element? There are there tropes that you want to touch on. I think at the game it just depends on how good you are, mm-hmm. because I, I would be quite good when it comes to talking. It's like okay, you're fighting this guy, go and go and call him a cunt, and <laughs> I'll find a creative way um, to just to be a dick. Uh, at the camera as well, I'm very comfortable in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of guys are like. They're shifty and they don't know what to do with their hands. And you think that's a I'm guilty of that because yeah. I've I've had to do promo work and yeah. my, my big mate Noel O'Keefe <laughs> rips the bag out of me by saying Hansy Phil Campbell. Yeah. So have you ever seen Talladega Nights? Yes. I'm like that. You see, I talk with my hands when I'm doing it. Everything's yeah. yeah. So I, I can understand. Yeah. See, I, I talk with my hands, but it's more people who like who don't know what to do. Don't so, it, yeah. They, like they've just found out they actually own the hands. Yeah. Like look, look, Rockwood when the camera went to him and Nate Diaz in the UFC. Nate Diaz is showing up. Gang signs. You can just see Luke Rockwell's hands start to raise in front of him. He doesn't know whether to put them together. It's just. 
terribly yeah. awkward. It, I, I mean, it's just one of those things, especially in MMA. Um, I've noticed a lot of guys are much better. They're, you know, Conor McGregor. He, he, I'd say Conor's probably the best. Um, when it comes to like how he tries talks and that sort of stuff, but again, that's that's from him sitting and watching Ric Flair. Well, you know, well, it's it very very similar. We talked about this before, and I pointed out that Connor created this spaghetti arm walk. The spaghetti arm walk is Vince McMahon, the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. That's his walk. The Billy Strop. Yeah, his exact what the clothes that Connor wears were Ric Flair mid to late 80s yeah. and his personality on the microphone is a bit of Ric Flair and a partially older portion of Dusty Rhodes yeah. and it's so clear how he has constructed that and if anybody thinks that that's not how it's constructed go back watch how McMahon walks in the, in the Attitude Era yeah. was, in fact maybe post just post Attitude Era when he started to really play when the bad won, guy yeah, yes. when, he, when he beat Ted Turner that, that's when that walked yeah. in um, yeah. so those are all progressing traits and you can think about how the crossover from professional wrestling into modern and what we describe as combat sport um, Muhammad Ali actually was a massive professional wrestling fan but was a very shy person and he watched an old professional wrestler called Gorgeous George. If you're yeah, I love Gorgeous George. Gorgeous yeah. George sort of played this very camp, flamboyant, over-the-top personality. And he was always, I'm so pretty, I'm so beautiful. And Muhammad Ali copied literally every word that he said mm-hmm. and had became the greatest talker boxing's ever seen. So, I mean, th- those sort of skills now, I mean, we're, we're seeing it in MMA. You're watching um, Colby Covington basically spewing out some fucking great stuff as far as I'm concerned learn the lines learn really the, blurred lines learn yeah. the lines especially I think when it creeps into MMA <laughs> because of the, the the physicality that's happening yeah the similarities in, in, in MMA the lines are even more blurred when somebody starts to portray a gimmick mm-hmm. like we, we said it on the last show Kobe Covington uh, he's doing the whole make America great again thing yeah. he's doing like the, the Trump gimmick um if you genuinely and people are genuinely angry and people mm-hmm. like people are getting yeah. really fucking pissed Wanna off do him in but if you think if you think that's genuinely how he is, if you're that much of a mark, he's got he's you. Fucking got you he's got you. He's got you. Yeah. He's got you. Like you're gonna you're gonna go and, and watch his fight because you're gonna want to see him get his fucking exactly. Thing. Exactly. And that is literally what it is. That's that, gold. And the worst thing is having nobody talk about you. Yeah. So like I always end up fighting with MMA fans. <laughs> And you know, but I do I end up fighting with MMA fans and um, with uh, MMA fighters. I actually almost got in a scrap with Norman Park. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the start, from the yeah, top, yeah, right? But, yeah. but it's it's you know, it's it's that sort of you know, oh, what you do is so fake, and what you do is blah blah blah. And it's like, well. Is there without, an element of elitism there with yeah, the fans even yeah. Without being a dick, if it wasn't for pro wrestling, UFC wouldn't be anywhere near what it is now. Mm-hmm. Because UFC, they took the pro wrestling production, they took the pro wrestling promos, they've actually taken a couple of their pay-per-view names, and they're actually old WWE pay-per-view names. Bad blood with Bad an extra D, and yeah. things like that. And it's like, like, don't be wrong, I love UFC and I love MMA, and I sit and I watch Brave here, and it's, and it's great. But... You still have to have that that element of yes, what we're doing is a real fight. What you're doing is stunt work, but all of the sto- all of your little storylines and everything out there, like the whole Conor McGregor with the bus thing, pure setup. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But I had MMA fans going, no, never. Of course, that's all not. real. MMA is real. It's like, well, it's not though. I, I think it's no so real to me. Damn it. <laughs> Like, but, so I have to get it's it's 
not though, is it? Like, that's obviously well, a I setup. Think, I think the setup of this certain point was to bring Connor there in a confrontation to take place. Yeah. I don't think the new he was going to go completely off the. Oh yeah. Off and the reservation. There were people, obviously, yeah, completely fucking off the res- reservation. Is a good terminology, and then people were legitimately injured by his complete fuckery on yeah. the day. Um, but I, I, you can clearly see the influence that professional wrestling has yeah. on mixed martial arts. The UFC in general have high, tried to, if you want, to move away from that, just given yeah. numbers now, no longer given pay-per-view names. Yeah. Um, they've done... But I think it's, start, it's starting to creep back in, though. It's creeping back in. And I keep saying about this WMEIMG here. Yes. So the, the Hollywood production company that bought the UFC, yeah. I think the that... Hollywood element, those storylines, those narratives are now becoming a little bit more prevalent. They are, but it's also, I think, too, because what they've done, they took away the, the WWE style Titantron, if you remember the yeah. old, the way the UFC used to have it, the long the ring the yeah. They took all that away, and then now. I still Bell- like that, though. Bellator, Bellator did that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't love that. Bellator's becoming very pop PFL. Yeah, Japanese MMA, Jap- it's still huge there. I, I love. I love a bit of pageantry. Of course yeah. you do. Everybody does. I love a fight, but I also love a pyro going off. I yeah. love someone's music kicking in. You remember the old Tito Ortiz ring one? Yeah. That is a literal copy of Shawn Michaels with the pyro. It's a complete yeah. copy. Mm-hmm. And anybody doesn't think that, go and watch the old Shawn Michaels, 96, 97, pyro enter, uh, entrance, and then go and watch the pyro yeah. for Tito Ortiz. It's it, just the same. And it's the way it should be, though. Like, boxing as well. I mean, like, you know, boxing, I love it when boxing has that, that level of... Mm. Of pageantry on that level, Joshua Wembley or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? The reason that you love Rocky so much is because of like the build up to the fight. Because the mean? drama. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like Apollo versus you know even Drago. The reason that's so good is just this big, huge bull, and it's all lovely and dancing, and then Drago knocks his fucking. That's why it's so good. So when UFC fans, it's mostly UFC fans. To be fair, it's not really MMA fans. UFC fans. Come to me with. There is a distinction between the two. Yeah, there is a distinction, a massive distinction between the two. But when they come to me and go, oh, would you do speak? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, that, that was Triple H in Austin, 98. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's not. It's like, well, even if you watch, uh, if you remember the Matt Hughes and Carlos Newton finish, the famous one where Carlos Newton had Matt Hughes triangle. triangle. Slam. Matt Hughes picks him up and slams him. The Undertaker created that again on the next element. I might have been smacked out of him, I'm not 100% yeah. certain. The Undertaker had the exact same finish as it sort of, because he's a massive yeah. UFC fan. And he, so you can see there is a crossover. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, do you remember when CM Punk lost? The CM Punk loss, I think, it was the next night. Was, it was a Raw show, mm-hmm. and they essentially choreographed the exact, exact. ending. Oh, of, that's evil! As just a yeah. little bit of a fuck yeah. you yeah. to Mr. Brooks. That yeah. is evil. I, I, thought it <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was funny. It as is fun. good though. It is very good. But I'm not going to let the Norman Park thing slide. No, no. I'm going to get back now. What was the cracker? Go so ahead. I, uh, I am a, a, an MMA enthusiast. I will not claim to be an expert in any way, shape, or form. Um, you have watched Brave with me. I pick people based on their names most of the time. <laughs> I like that guy. The more syllables, yeah. the better. I think there was the Terminator. I was like, oh, the Terminator. Was like, that's a badass name. That's the, his walkout song is great. You <laughs> and that's what I kind of go for. You know what I mean? Because I don't know enough about the win loss records or you know if you know I understand I know that a good wrestler coupled with a good striker is going to be a very difficult fighter to beat and things like that but I wouldn't claim to be an expert in any way shape or form mm-hmm. I just really enjoy MMA as I enjoy all combat sport and um, because of this 
I'll be very patriotic. So Norman Park, Conor McGregor, Michael Bispin, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, Dan Hardy, Dan Hardy, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Don't care if they're dicks. Don't care if they win or lose. If they're fighting, that's okay. who I want to win because yeah, you know, from Great Britain we'll, or Ireland. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Flag, flag, and um, or two. But one of the things that that you know would always um, come up with Norman was the fact that he was not allowed to have an Ulster flag when he walked to the octagon. So Conor McGregor didn't have a tricolor. Mm-hmm. Dan Hardy could have the Union Jack. Michael Bisping can have you know the England flag. But Norman Park was not allowed to have the Ulster flag so he had tweeted this is the UFC blah 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 and I replied to Norman and said mate that is bollocks and the way that I had meant it was that is bollocks for the UFC are being dicks right however he had taken it and interpreted it as that is bollocks as in you're telling a bunch of porkies men and came back to me with what the fuck would you know, you fucking fake fighter little bitch, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so he took a while. Yeah. So I replied with, love it, like, very nicely, actually, I was defending you, you fucking ball bag, <laughs> so on, so forth. And then he was like, he came back with something, I couldn't tell you the exact, like, back and forth. And then back and forth. But it ended up that we had a show in Mandela Hall about three weeks after this confrontation on Twitter, and I said to him, very nicely, well, Norman, there's a fucking ticket at the door for you, this is my name and this is my match you're more than fucking welcome to come down and Norman did not <laughs> it would have been absolutely amazing oh it would be like the invasion angle oh. now make no bones about it Norman Park would have kicked the living shitter to me because he is a trained professional fighter and as much as I could do a little bit and I'm a good actor you know I can't get in a fucking cage with an MMA fighter and win. It's, oh. it's not going to happen. It would be great crack. It would, have, like, it would have maybe got a lucky punch, but he would have knocked 10 fucking bells in. Big, storming, yeah, storming, storming, storming. The lights go down, house lights yeah. go down, yeah, and he's just standing in the middle. Yeah. Oh, like, like the Undertaker appearing, you know, yeah. the lights go down, and then Norman. Just, I wouldn't be as uh, threatening with a Balamina accent, though, to be fair. Probably just a little bit of but it, it was just one of those things and it was another one of those times where I just encountered like a UFC fan or fighter where they have that sort of that attitude of like, what you do is yeah, yeah what you do is bullshit and what I do is real and I was like well I'll fucking fight you anyway come on <laughs> and he never showed up come on then he never showed up Incidentally, thankfully <laughs> yeah Norman uh, is now KSW world champ yeah. Um, yeah and long away from the UFC thankfully for him I think yeah. is a great move for Norman who's actually all around really quite a nice guy actually <laughs> um, so for play, hello just Norman if you're listening just fucking hate those pesky pro wrestlers so I must try and get him on the show Sorry, actually um, <laughs> so he's now KSW world champion and he is exclusively really planning his trade in Poland and in the United Kingdom whenever KSW have their shows there mm. so where have judging by Norman's obviously been Traveling all around the world, where where's the furthest you've been? So I have only done the UK and Ireland right. at this point, um, yeah. mainly uh, due to the fact that as an independent wrestler, there's really I mean I can go to Germany. Yeah, I was supposed to be in Germany, um, and then my tag partner's wife was taken. And she went into labour, so we couldn't go. Selfish <laughs> bastard. Yeah, so oh. so that was the one thing. Um, but like there are promotions. Um, there's Triple W in. Uh, Madrid there mm-hmm. is WXW and GWF in Germany there mm-hmm. are other promotions 
outside of the UK. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's mainly the UK and Ireland that I stick to. I was in Switzerland for mm-hmm. a promotion, which was great. Mm-hmm. Mainly so I got to go to Switzerland. So yeah. I, was, I was buzzing, I was going to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. But um, at this point, do you, need, do you even know where you're uh, going to end up? Oh, look at that. <laughs> huh? Beautiful. Do you even know? Yeah. But, um, Professional. Yeah, but at this point, it, it's just the UK and Ireland. That's, it's pretty much been my focus. So there, there has been, don't get me wrong, if, if somewhere came along and went, do we want to take you here? Like Japan or wherever, I would go in a heartbeat. Yeah, but I think that's everybody's goal. At the like, I know as a as a mixed martial artist, whenever I was obviously competing, the goal was obviously to try and get to a big promotion like the like the UFC. Um, for a professional wrestler, it must be the same. You must look at say the bigger promotion out there in the middle, which is WWE. Mm-hmm. Although their product in certain cases can be absolute turd. But um, of late. What you've seen with a lot of wrestlers is they don't need to be with the WWE. That's to what I was going to say. Now you have much more scope as wrestling is opening up. But the advent of AEW, you have in America as well, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. You have yeah. in London, Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground in London, yeah, Lucha Underground. Um, also, you have in England, you have Progress as yeah. well. And you have now all the Noah's still around um, and New Japan. Yeah. So you have an awful lot more scope where a wrestler could necessarily build a, a bigger and more exclusive profile for themselves rather than travelling to the WWE. And I think that's really helping. It's helping the industry. It's helping the business. Yeah, I think it's helping WWE as well. Um, yeah, but they're, they're doing a lot of like, picking and choosing. We talked about Fergal Devitt, um, Finn Balor being picked from New Japan and, and transported yeah. straight in after a few weeks of NXT as a universal champion so obviously they're picking and choosing they're not developing him anymore no. maybe they're developing him in how they want a match constructed but they're not developing him as a performer definitely no. not well they used to, uh, they've got NXT for that and then we have um, NXT UK as well NXT UK is excellent actually. I, yeah so I had um, went over and spent a week with them in mm-hmm. November um, and it was excellent their performance yeah. centre is phenomenal it's nothing I've ever seen before training wise um, they have Sean Hayes who's like one of the best strength and conditioning coaches and he's doing all their strength and conditioning mm-hmm. so all the lads are getting in much better shape um, they're all injury prevention so like every, all their training all the bumps they take everything up there it's all focused on you know, how to not injure yourself yeah, or, um, somebody and, you, and, or somebody else and it's all about longevity um, and you know with NXT UK it's a Ma- they're looking to be a massive brand it's on BT Sport now yeah well I think you that's know, a good move for yeah, WWE was, in general was, getting off Sky I was, go- I was going to ask you like, how big do you think that is that move from Sky to BT I think it's massive for BT Sport mm. is one thing because I know a lot of people who only had Sky Sports because that's where they got Monday Night Raw and mm-hmm. that's where they got Smackdown yeah. um, and BT Sport have come in with this massive deal where you're not only getting Raw and Smackdown they've got NXT and NXT UK on there as well so you don't really need a WWE Network subscription anymore um, unless you want to pay reviews mm. you know you don't really need the subscription anymore you can watch it on TV which is unbelievable you know in this day and age and especially the fact that they're putting a UK brand on television is huge yeah and the AEW also you can get AEW I think on ITV ITV4 ITV4 yeah. do the replays on ITV4 which is um, some of the like again I mean most people probably will miss a lot of pro wrestlers who were and SAR WWE performer and NXT performer but you're missing guys there like Kenny Omega on yeah. AEW who is simply top of the tree as far yeah. as it goes at the Kenny moment. Omega's on real um, they have Cody there they again, have Adam Page they uh 
uh, what do you call the other two the young bucks young bucks absolutely yeah. awesome and fantastic Penta as well it seems to be that uh, culturally wrestling seems to be moving away from the generic big guy it's not necessary. It doesn't need to be the guy that's three hundred pounds completely ripped. Isn't going to. Doesn't have to be the the guy that uh, an organisation is going to go all in on now. Yeah. It seems that guys, it's your ability more than your stature, seems to be coming in now because you've got like guys like you mentioned aren't the three hundred pounds. No behemoths that are maybe only good for like. A, a jackknife powerbomb and then that's their, their like, a goal, yeah, the, yeah. like the Goldbergs and, but, but yeah. I'm not going to say Lesnar because Lesnar is a very very athletic performer but the guys of the sort of the bygone era you know that we as in UK fans we all remember Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks which was fucking appalling actually to be frank honest with you yeah. but it's one of those it's the same wrestling is very much the same as, as Hollywood in the fact that it, it's always got to be more like it has to be more yeah. mm-hmm. and there is so, a certain type of yeah, aesthetic yeah. That, you know it has to be more so whereas beforehand you know it was the cruiserweights the heavyweights and so on like you have guys who will stay around a certain weight so for example I stay around like 215 pounds and the reason I stay around that weight is because if I want to go to heavyweight I put on 6 pounds if I want to go to cruiserweight I just drop 10 yeah. it's not really a, it's not a massive thing and weight classes are, are becoming more of a thing because of how popular Japan yeah, is I, so I, I think also that it's becoming a little bit more prevalent with weight classes in professional wrestling simply because of the advent of MMA yeah. you know, oh, people yeah, understand yeah. now that well why is that guy in there with him it's not really believable anymore yeah. when you're seeing somebody like uh, do you remember it wasn't that long ago whenever Rey Mysterio Jr. had the run with JBL and it was so far-fetched I know, yes, okay, they had some great matches, but it looked just crazy. And then recently, um, only in the last few months, uh, Remsteer Jr. been working with uh, Lesnar. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. It just to me, it just doesn't. It's unbelievable. There are there are times where it's it's, it's harder to suspend disbelief. Yeah. Um, the good thing is, is people like Ray can make it so much better because it just looks like they're using their momentum. Yes, um, and it does help. But if, um, if it had been anybody else other than Rey Mysterio Jr., probably not, no. you just couldn't have. It would have been impossible. Whereas, to... especially when it comes to New Japan, New Japan is extremely um, popular now, especially coming to the states and stuff. And people didn't really used to watch New Japan, and now you know, like everyone is really into that New Japan style. So they have the junior heavyweights like Will Ospreay, like Ospreay's another ELP, um, Okada, you know, as Okada well. and they've got some great guys mm-hmm. there. But then they have the never open weight title, which is then it's any weight can go for it. So mm-hmm. it's you know, so you've got like Godo's a champion, but um, he beat Osprey, mm-hmm. who was so he's a junior, um, being like light heavyweight in MMA. Okay, um, then you've got the cruiserweights, which would be lightweight, I imagine. Then, or yeah, I think the yeah. cruiserweights they defined it as, as under 205 in, in yeah, wrestling. So, although, so cruiserweights are under 205, anything under 205, yeah, anything under 205 is a cruiserweight. Anything under two twenty um, is a junior weight, uh, junior junior heavyweight um, or light heavyweight, and then anything over two twenty is classed as heavyweight, heavyweight. and over two sixty is super heavyweight. Super heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's that's not entirely dissimilar. No, it's not. Yeah. I think they're going. I think it's a good thing because it's it's making the matches look more believable mm-hmm. rather than having the Brock Lesnar squash some dwarf it doesn't yeah. make a sense and in Japan granted they probably never really did that in Japan because the lines are, are specifically blurred yeah. if you remember back this is going this is going fucking really deep um, 95, 96 in the United Kingdom we had screenings of UWF do you remember UWF? 
Briefly, yeah. It was marketed in Great Britain as Bushido. Does anybody remember Bushido now? Bushido. Well, Bushido I remember it was Pride Bushido around that time. Well, this is where they come from, strangely, because Takata was involved. Takata was a Takata-owned organisation. It was UWF, and it was, in inverted commas, shoot-style wrestling. So, is he like an Anoki-type character? He, Takata was the one who beat Mark Coleman. Do you remember the, in inverted commas? And things, oh, the rook! Yes. So Takata was there, and he, in Bushido, what it was marketed as was a real mixed martial arts contest but with a predetermined ending. So there was the lines were so fucking deeply blurred. There was open palm strikes. It looked a lot like Pancras. Pancras was running concurrently mm-hmm. at the same time. And it also had crossover guys like Fanaki, Takata, and I know, I know Takata. But then there was other people that dipped in and out of that scenario too, who were legitimate. Shamrock was trying to have been involved in I'm, some capacity. I, I would imagine Osak, uh, uh, what do you call him, Alexander Otsuga, I think, as well. He fought Shamrock and Pride. Mm-hmm. I think he was involved in it. But if you go back and watch some of the old Bushido, it, the lines are, are clearly blurred up until you see somebody get picked up and get a, a belly to back suplex. And then you realise, no, that you're not going to just roll out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the commentators were terrible as well. They had Jeff Thompson commentating um, of Watch My Back fame. The door, book about him doing a door. But that's where you could see that in Japan how, how blurred the lines were with between professional wrestling and then mixed martial arts. And it still continues it's, to this it's day. It's still this day. And we've tried now, um, the generation that we're in now, um, Grew up, then we just love the strong, the strong style. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try now to, to blur those lines just that little bit more mm. um, and make it look, you know, as much of a fight as, as possible. You know, a lot of our guys train boxing, train MMA, train. I was going to say, are there any elements of, of mixed martial arts that you implement into your own repertoire? In the mind, nah. <laughs> <laughs> why, uh, why not? But you know what? I've never, um, I just never really got round like that kind of training. Um, I was supposed to go actually and train an IFS a few years ago and just it just never got around to it mm. um, and then it just kind of went away from that style um, I pride myself on being more of the theatrical mm-hmm. style of wrestler so though I can hit hard and be hit quite hard and I'm okay with it um, you know I'm not the guy if you want to put me in for like a 20 minute technical match where we'll just go hold for hold I'm not your guy you know, I mean, if you want to put me in the match and make people genuinely want me dead, then that's then that's the spot that you're, I kind of fell. You're the man for it. Yeah. So if it ever was, I know obviously this is a combat sports podcast as well, but so you would never consider a crossover to mixed martial arts at any stage. What age are you now? I'm 32. So like you're still in your athletic prime. So you would never consider a crossover to mixed martial arts for even once. No, I reckon I'd give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon I would give it a go. I reckon if. How long do you think it would take you? Uh, you're in obviously exceptional physical shape. Somebody because of the performance the whole time as a, as a professional wrestler, you're used to taking hits. You understand what physicality is. How long do you think it would take you to get into an inverted commas shape to compete in mixed martial arts? Eighteen months. Do you have any eighteen months? Eighteen months time. Yes, he will be competing. Yeah. To be clear on that, someone of similar experience, I could fight in no, eighteen that, months. But that's what, yeah, that's like what, that, yeah. that's what that would like, equate to, you know. Yeah, I couldn't give be thrown in there with someone who knows how to fight and like, yeah, he's no, been eighteen I months mean, ago. <laughs> but I mean there's nothing wrong. I, um we talked about blurred lines between J- Japan and 
you look at Japanese professional wrestlers and the most famous Japanese professional wrestlers to become successful mixed martial artists Kazushi Sakuraba Kazushi Sakuraba Shibata he's yeah. now in the UFC Hall of Fame exactly Shibata is the one to watch Shibata's MMA stuff is crazy he is a, 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 in New Japan he, yeah he's had to retire from a brain hemorrhage or something I was going to say he banged his, he got a terrible um, head injury yeah. and he had to end up retiring there's also Kajaka Fujita do you remember Fujita, Fujita? yeah yeah Fujita. Um, the knees to the head from care that time if you watch the pride that he had him a, was, it, was it the front headlock and then just and smashed just, the knees in yeah and he just stands up as if there's like nothing wrong with him you've just mm-hmm. taken knees to the head from probably one of the hardest hitters ever in MMA it's frightening I'd say Michael Swan's one of the hardest for knees to the head as well yes just, just, just out of interest just, yeah. just, going, <laughs> just going Swanee under the bus there for breaking my nose last week yeah. cheers Swan dog <laughs> one one thing just to, just to wrap because we've been we've been chatting for a fair bit here. To be hey, probably haven't even noticed because I'm such a nerd. As, <laughs> as, aspirationally, what do you want to do? Where do you where do you want to take this? What's what's the end game for you? Honestly, I'm a WWE guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much always have been a WWE guy. Um, so WWE would be um, a goal. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it will be a goal. Um, I set myself a goal last year. Um, it's January last year. I set myself a goal of having a tryout with WWE by the end of um, 2019 and I've done it um, so I've set myself a goal this year you know to have a contract by the end of 2020 and I'm mm-hmm. pretty confident that I can do it um, but that being said if AEW or Ring of Honor or New Japan or All Japan or any other promotion were to come in with a good offer then I would take it because you'd be crazy not to yeah you'd be crazy not to but also you're in the shop window it's like somebody saying no I only want to go to the UFC and Bellator's offering you five fight day and you go no I only want the UFC it's just crazy because then you're still in the shop when you perform well there you might move on I'm not saying there's a difference between Bellator and UFC I don't believe that to be the case actually I think some top quality MMA fighters on Bellator could possibly end the career of some of the top quality fighters in the UFC at the minute so that's uh, that's your goal now is to try and get a developmental deal or NXT or something like that with uh, yeah, I mean but the, my main goal would be to go to NXT UK mm. and help build that brand mm. um, be one of the, the yeah, bears I mean, the there's a, yeah there's a really great core group of lads there and they have built it from one night mm. into actual an actual brand it, it, it was it was one tournament mm. And then they done the second tournament um, because the first tournament was so successful, and because the second tournament was so successful, and because everyone had got so much better and in so much better shape over the course of that year, mm-hmm. they decided to go. Do you know what? Well, yeah, let's let's do let's do a brand of this. And they followed actually WWE followed on there from TNA. Do you remember the TNA developmental for UK? Yeah, I, I done. Took, <laughs> you did. The one they took from that was Rockstar Spud. Did they that was right. Out? Yeah, British Boot Camp. They done. Yeah. I um I done the gut check mm-hmm. for TNA. Yeah. And they followed WWE followed on. How was that? <laughs> Obviously, this is a. Yeah, there's Look on this man's face. Yeah, um, it was. I actually got some really good advice from some really good wrestlers, um, but the actual gut check itself was crap. It, yeah, you paid to go and and. Have, have a tryout have Hulk Hogan critique you so yeah. badly it kind of reminds me of the Louis Theroux documentary when he went to was it the power plant yes yeah. he went to and he did build a mod was it mm-hmm. yeah no. uh, and Sarge and, yeah. yeah and he did uh, he did the, the gut check mm-hmm. and he was being he had to be sick everywhere and there was and that was Louis Theroux but there was also guys that were pro wrestlers at the time yeah. had to go away and, I think John Cena's actually in the background of that yeah, yeah. Really? it goes back to what I was saying because then there was a section where guys had to cut promos 
and it was fucking cringy. Yeah. It was and terrible. And yet, not just the Louis section, but then other guys. Del Theroux does that sort of very quintessentially British pregnant pause in between things, leaving people just to fucking settle in their own shit. Oh, it's awful. The gut check, I mean, it wasn't, they didn't go out of the way to blow us up, they didn't do anything bad. Um, it was actually Dino Brown took it. Um, and Dino mm-hmm. Brown is a very nice man, and I learned quite a bit from him in the time he was there. Uh, Jeremy Borash was there, and again, lovely guy, and I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bubba Ray Dudley was there, um, Chris Daniels, and a couple of other lads there. So there was, but there was some fantastic stuff, and they filmed this for TV. Mm-hmm. So it was actually on Challenge TV. My gut check was on Challenge TV, and it was great. And I then, watched that. I yeah, probably did and watch can, that. There's a, there's one point where they're beside behind Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian mm-hmm. who are sat in the stands, and there's two guys in the ring, which thankfully was not me, and. Christopher Daniels turns around and goes, "Wow, that's the shit." <laughs> and, um, and it just kind of goes to show you, like these these guys had paid to be there. Um, at that point, I had paid to be there as well, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. I'm not any better than anyone else who no. was there. However, I was in shape. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I had to come prepared. A few other people didn't, but um, there were some really good people there. Uh, Nikki Cross. From who is now on SmackDown was there Shanna who is now on AEW was there um, Jazzy Garbert who is on NXT UK was there all the women got mm. signed all the books did not yeah. <laughs> um, but that was terrible but I did I did do that I applied for British Boot Camp and was mm. not accepted any further mm. um, it was it was no it wasn't a great but experience but it, it did actually it was a good experience as formative, I think we can, we can all identify with that. Yeah, you know, whether I think it's gone through something like that. Yeah, whether whether it's in a sporting capacity or whether it's a fight that you wanted to get in a certain promotion, whether it's a presenting gig or a commentary gig, mm-hmm. when you get the knockback, it's fucking it's heart yeah. it's heart wrenching, but it's, but it's also formative. Coming back, yeah. it's the ones. Sometimes it's not who's. It, this sounds awful, and I'm not saying this is the case. It's sometimes not who's best; it's who's left and who's yeah. last, and well, who stays the course some longer. That's who ends up making the difference. You know, that's definitely the way it is. And I mean, when I done WWE tried, it was head and shoulders just, just just different now to be fair this was what seven years ago maybe longer so TNA have come on leaps and bounds by then they're now Impact Wrestling there Which is, is no TNA anymore Ross has anybody witnessed any of that I quite like it seriously <laughs> the I matches can, are very good the matches are good but the outside of the some of the stuff they still get Kevin Sullivan on it um it is, is Billy Corgan involved in that? Or is he yeah, NWA? Billy Corgan's NWA. NWA, yes. and that is fantastic. Actually, if you haven't watched that, NWA Power on YouTube mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Yeah. It genuinely is 1975 all over again. So but we we bit like we bit nostalgic. Our impact did like a throwback. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean, that was superb. That, that was, was very so well constructed. Yeah. But I just find it, I just find it cringy. Um, now don't get me wrong. Some of the matches, guys like Moose are yeah. is big fan of Moose. Holy shit. What an athletic dude for a gigantic yeah. human being. But those guys are excellent performers. They're going to clearly get picked up by somebody else and move away from that because I can see that folding very soon. Yeah, I'm, I, I, they're doing very well in Canada, is the mm-hmm. one thing. That's what they're doing all their filming and stuff at the minute. Yeah. But they have Moose 
Brian Cage, Tessa Blanchard, Tessa Blanchard, uh, Sammy Callahan. So they have a, a very solid talent pool. T- Tessa Blanchard possibly is the best performer out of the whole lot. Oh yeah, she is oh, she's fucking phenomenal. But she's a Blanchard, so you expect it. You can, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, her dad's Tully Blanchard. So yeah. you don't know anything about professional wrestling, and you have to go and Google who Tully Blanchard was. He was one tough motherfucker from really well back in the day, and he was in the Four Horsemen as well. I think. Was, yeah. So he's one of the original Four Horsemen with Ric Flair, um, and. Again, you can just see that's in her genes. It's very similar to Charlotte Flair and Ric Flair. Yeah, although to be fair, I think Charlotte is going her own way. And she, she used to be Ric Flair's daughter, and, and now she's playing the comedy. He's Charlotte's dad. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard. That's, that's, that's a pretty cool shift. In that yeah, way. it's mm-hmm. she is unbelievable. She was brought in as like this skinny little model looking thing, and now she's just. She doesn't stop working. No, she does tremendous. Doesn't stop working. She had a series of Rebecca Lynch for a while, and they tried tagging them together. It just clearly was never going to work. No, and but they were both absolutely. But then phenomenal. Rebecca's the same. She, she is fantastic. She, she is the same. Um, I only got the train with her once before she went off. Um, it was actually before she quit wrestling to be um, an, an actor, hostess or an actor and an actress, well, right, and she yeah. was doing some other stuff. Um, and then when I saw her go back in the next year, it was class mm. because yeah. they, Again, there's no one more driven than, than Becky as well. She's just she was brilliant on uh, Steve Austin's Broken Skull. Or no, wasn't was it podcast? Yeah, was on Steve Austin podcast. Yeah, she was, yeah. She was absolutely fantastic on that. She was very, very entertaining. Really, really good. Well, gentlemen, I think we could stay here for the majority. We of the could. Night. We could end up cracking open a few beers and talking shit over the night. Awesome. But let's bring this home in the short term. Where are you going to be? What shows have you got coming up? Where can people find you, mate? Okay, so short term, um, we are in Dublin on the 15th at the KRFJA. 15th of this month? No, 15th of February. 15th of February. Sorry. Uh, 23rd of February, then we're in Belfast again with OTT. Uh, Liverpool with TNT on the 31st of January. Um, That's a really good show. That is, I love Liverpool. Um, Glasgow with ICW on the 1st and 2nd of September. Excellent promotion. We'll be in London with Rev Pro a number of times throughout mm-hmm. the year. Possibly progress again. I'm not too sure. I'm in Edinburgh at some point in February. And if you want to bring your kids and your granny to the children's shows, the American Wrestling Tour is all over Ireland all year. It's every weekend. And you can beat me with a handbag and listen to me talk crap in my pink pants. And, and social media, let's 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 blow you up. A yeah, little it's always at Corbin and I, um, C O R V I N N I, um, Twitter, Instagram. That's the that's just my go-to. All that good stuff. Well, well thank you very much for your time. Appreciate yeah, it. This was, this was a fun conversation <laughs> for <laughs> everybody involved. I feel like I've learned something, and yeah. hopefully, uh, the guys that are strictly MMA that listen will also open up the the mind a wee bit and uh, appreciate professional wrestling for the athletic endeavour that is yeah um, folks just before we go thank you very much for your time if you spend any time whatsoever listening to us both Phil and myself are eternally grateful for for that we never thought anybody would listen to it but so far we've had quite a number of people listen to us so if you want to find us on the socials, and I know... That's a wank term. On the socials. On the socials. It's, it's That's a wank term. It is is real. Real? It's yeah. completely real. I was listening to another podcast. I'm not going to plug the other podcast because it's nothing to do with mixed martial arts or combat sport, but it did use the term on our socials, and I'm like, fuck you, either you've been listening to me or this is a real thing. And I heard it, as I said, on not another Chelsea show or some shit like that too. One of those dicks said it. So that where, so where can people find us on the socials? That's been 30 fucking <laughs> saying it. <laughs> no, where can people find us on Instagram, Facebook, that sort of car? Very simple. On uh, all anti social media, it is at Not Another Fightcast. You can find us on Facebook and on. Tw- uh, we don't have a Twitter. Probably should, but I, I 
Twitter bores the tits off me and on Instagram so you can find us there not another fight cast um, and where can I find you Phil? Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at PC underscore commentary Brave Combat Federation will be in Slovenia on the 19th of January so check that out if you want to hear me talk shit about fights also, it would be remiss of me, a friend of the show and former professional mixed martial artist, Mr. Dan Abril, has his own podcast now. And I said, I promised him I'd give him a plug for the show. It's Elite Body Coaching Podcast with Mr. Dan Abril. You can go back and listen to the show that we did with Dan. Excellent time with him indeed. And one, a very cool human being and a very, very supreme martial artist in his day. And now one of the most elite um, personal trainers in Ireland, if not one of the best ever in Ireland, and he's got his own podcast now, Nutritional Mindset, so go and give him a listen to as well. So from myself, Phil Campbell, from my co-host, the wonderful Andy Burroughs, and from the wonderful, enigmatic and dangerous Damien Corvin, thank you very much guys, peace, love and Batman. <laughs>